Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. If you weren't here last week, that's the title of the message, The Purpose for Your Process. And the focus of this message is to help change sort of our perception and understanding of the situations that we encounter as followers of Christ and help us to understand what God is doing in the middle of our problems. And last week, we took a look at three points, and the first one is this, that God uses problems to correct us. Remember that. God uses problems to correct us, helping us identify issues in our own obedience, in our own faith, in our own thinking. God uses problems to direct us, to navigate us towards His will for our lives. It's okay to make plans, it's okay to strategize, but we have to always be surrendered to the will of God wherever he chooses to navigate us. And sometimes he will drop a problem in a plan that we had to navigate us towards a purpose. Everybody following? The last one, God uses problems to inspect us. There are times where God will drop a problem in our lives simply to do an evaluation of our character. I want to see if you are who you say you are for the purpose of possibly promoting you. You know, sometimes we say, God, I want all you have for me. I want to see everything you have for me. Okay, I got to test you. I got to put you to the fire to see if you can handle the next step. Because with every step we go to and every level we ascend to, new problems arise. The higher you go with God, new problems you will encounter. You start taking on other people's problems. You're like, I didn't want all this. That's the next level. So we must come to realize that God can take what we see as a problem and instead use it for our benefit. Now, I know in our society, this is not a common way of thinking. However, if we make this shift in our perception of how we see problems, it will mature us from being complainers to contenders. It'll mature us from being complainers into contenders. So complainers say, why me? When a problem comes along, complainers, first thing they go to, why God, why me? Contenders say, try me. Not in the sense of testing God, but God, whatever you have for me, I'm I'm here for it. Because I know you're going to be with me and beside me through it. So whatever you have, send it my way. That's what a contender says. See, complainers, they seek comfort, and they exist in complacency. But contenders, they're going to seek out that correction because they know that it's good for them. They're going to seek out that direction because they trust fully in the will of God. And they're going to seek out to be inspected, to know that they're ready for the next challenges that come along. And that way, whatever God places in front of them, they will thrive. Amen? Uh, I just want to let everybody know something. If you didn't know this, the Lakers are the champions. That's right. Lakers are the champions. For the 17th time, the Los Angeles Lakers are NBA champions. So to any Clippers fans, you are not now, nor will you ever be L.A.'s team. I just had to make that note. For all you Golden State fans, welcome back to the Laker fans. 
Okay, we'll take you back. We understand. We have some dark times. Everybody has slip-ups. We don't hold it against you. You know, something I love throughout all the, the series that the Lakers were going through, um, all the playoff series, is all the, after each series, uh, when they would interview the players, they had such a focus about them. They weren't celebrating. They weren't like, yeah, we got this on lock. They had like just a laser focus. And they all kept repeating something that Kobe said during the 2009 finals when the Lakers were up 2-0 against the Orlando Magic. And they were at an interview, and Kobe's just sitting there with Kobe's focus, Kobe mentality. That's my guy. And they're like trying to get it out of him. Like, we're trying to get a smile out of you. He's like, what's there to smile about? Like, well, you're up 2-0. Job finished? I don't think so. Job's not finished. And all the uh, Lakers players had that same mentality after every series. They were like, are you guys happy you beat the Blazers? Like, job's not finished. Are you happy you beat the Rockets? You're going on. Job's not finished. Are you happy you beat the Nuggets? You're going to the finals. The job isn't finished. They did not celebrate until they were holding that trophy and were declared champions. And what I think is we need to have that same approach to our faith. That so long as we're on this earth and breath is in our lungs, the job is not finished. That we can't begin to celebrate. We can't begin to get into putting our feet up and taking our feet off the gas and relaxing. That as long as life is within me and I'm able-bodied, I am contending for the victory of the Lord here on earth. I am contending to see people saved. I am fighting the good fight of faith. So long as I live, the job is not finished. No matter if you've been saved five years, 10 years, 20 years, the job is not finished. God still has more for you. And that means there's going to be more challenges for you. As the playoffs went along, the competition got harder. It got more and more difficult. Your rest time got less and less. If the Lakers didn't make the playoffs, they get to take their feet off the gas, go home, go relax. But as you go on, you're playing more and more games. You're getting more and more exhausted. You're going to have to dig in a little bit deeper. So as we grow with God, the longer that we're in it, we're going to have to keep fighting. We're going to have to keep striving to grow wiser, to get stronger, to continue increase and stretch our faith. You can never settle in your relationship with God. At each level we go, new problems and new challenges will arise that God will use to correct us, direct us, and inspect us. There are a couple additional ways that God uses problems, and today I want to take a look at those. But just so we got the first three understood, God uses problems to correct us, to direct us, and inspect us. Here's the fourth one as you're taking notes. You can also do it on our app. It's right there. You can follow along. Here's the fourth one. God uses problems to protect me. God uses problems to protect me. I know some of you guys are going like, how, Sway? How is a problem to protect me. It's, it's kind of like how parents, how we do our kids, like when we're about to spank them, I'm doing this for your own good. This is to help you because you got to learn. This is going to protect you in the future. You're like, I'm doing this because I love you. You're like, you know, hugs show love. You know, you can just bring it in. But no, God does. He sends problems to protect us. Let's go to the word of God. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. First Peter 3, 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I'm going to pause right there. Because in this modern day, we get into these digital battles with people when it comes to our faith. And then what we'll do is we'll go to the scripture and it says that I need to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks. But we'll skip over the portion of yet do it with gentleness and respect. And we're like, I'm being attacked. I'm being persecuted. First of all, you live in America. You live in Los Angeles in America. Which means you live in one of the richest places and most protected places on planet earth. You are not being attacked. You know why? Because the battle can end as soon as you close the app. And, and I know people, are, you're at home watching right now, and you're here, you're like, are we doing a social media talk again? Yes! We're going to keep talking about it until it's fixed. Until I can log on and just see funny videos and memes. I will talk about it. <laughs> My social media is all laughs. But here's, here's the thing, guys. We've got to remember this. It is not honorable to God for you to defend your faith by insulting, belittling, and being disrespectful to other people. You are no, in no way, shape, form, or fashion honoring and representing God when you do that. You are protecting your own ego. We must be able to defend our faith by our actions more so than our words. Our actions have to be able to reflect that we even know what's in the Word of God. Because how can your actions show that you know the Word of God if you're not doing what the Word of God tells you to do? Because if you knew the Word of God, you would not insult people, you would not attack people, you would not belittle people, you would not get into these angry rants, you wouldn't do any of these things if you truly knew the Word of God. So once I carry the action of grace, humility, now I can communicate the Word of God. This makes sense. Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So you're not suffering or facing this kind of backlash because you're doing good. Often we're suffering and facing backlash because we're being jerks online and treating people with cruelty. But the Bible says that those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame for it's better to suffer for doing good. Do what the Word of God says. See, when we're talking about the problems that God gives us and his protection over us, the protection is not to protect our own personal identities. It's not to protect us as individuals, it's to protect our identities as followers of Christ. It's to show what a true and faithful believer is. So he'll place problems in our lives to show what a true and faithful believer looks like to the non-believer. It is safer to do what is right and honest and suffer for it than to compromise your integrity because it protects you. 
God often uses a problem as a blessing in disguise to protect us from something much worse. So sometimes God will hand us a problem with like, this is the worst thing ever and you have no idea what God was saving you from down the road. Here's a good example of, of it in the Bible. A story about a man named Joseph, young man. Joseph was given visions through dreams. He was his father's youngest son. He was hailed as the favorite and loved tremendously by his father. His brothers were extremely jealous of this. So much so that they wanted to kill him. They ended up throwing him in a pit and trying to get him sold off into slavery. He ended up in slavery. Then he ended up in Potiphar's house. And then we're going to pick up in the story here in Genesis chapter 39 in verse 6. We're going to get a little bit ahead in the story. Genesis 39, verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. Everybody understand? Okay, cool. As long as we understand what I'm saying. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern and anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or be with her. But one day... When he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and, I, and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Ain't that crazy? So this isn't something that just happened one time where she approached him one time. It says, day after day. So Joseph, day after day, rejected this temptation. David, I mean, Joseph, day after day, did the right thing. And even still, doing the right thing, found himself in prison. Joseph suffered for the exact opposite reason than David. King David, he suffered because he gave into temptation and committed adultery. Joseph suffered because he didn't give into temptation to commit adultery. 
And you got to think about that because, I mean, a lot of guys, you know, would have been like, man, what was I supposed to do? I mean, she kept coming at me day after day. You know, what was I supposed to do? And then she grabbed my, th- my garment thing. And then, I mean, I was already naked, so, I mean, I'm sorry. A lot of people were like, well, you know, I don't want to get fired from my job, so I had to. And that's what we got to realize what's happening here. There are times where you will be in a certain position that benefits you. And it will be easier for you to do the wrong thing and compromise who you are. But it's better for you to suffer for doing what is right. Regardless of the consequences. Because it's doing the right thing. Here's the breakdown essentially of Joseph's, of, of Joseph's life. He was sold by his brothers as a slave into Egypt. While he was there, he was a servant to Potiphar. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Joseph said, I'm not going to give into temptation. It is not right. So because she was rejected, she lied about him, said that he raped her. Potiphar came home and had to believe his wife. He threw him in prison, and he was innocent, locked up in prison. After everything you've gone through at this point, you're like... I remember as a young kid, I was getting all these great dreams. It is not working out how I thought. Have any of you guys been there before where God's given you something, spoke something over you, and you saw how it was going to play out, and then all craziness just started to happen? You're like, well, it can't be God's plan. But it is. See, God's plan comes with hills and obstacles and potholes and landmines and all kind of crazy stuff. But God says, you will make it. For sure you will make it. I didn't say you won't get hurt on the way, but you're going to make it. And the question that begins to infiltrate our minds when the going starts getting tough, we start to ask, should I, should I even do what's right if, it, if things turn out bad for me? Why should I do the right thing if it's not going to work out in my favor? Shouldn't I just do what's in the best interest of me? Doesn't God want me to be happy? The answer? No. No, you should always do what's right because it's the right thing to do. Period. Not because it works out for our benefit. We're not obedient to God simply because we're, it's, we're not obedient to God because things will work out in our favor. We're obedient to God because we love God. We're obedient to God because of everything he's already done for us. We're obedient to God because we're obedient to the word. This makes sense. It's just like when we got our kids and we tell them, go clean your room. And they're like, I don't feel like I'm tired. I don't want to. Now do what I told you to do, period. Because it's the right thing, because it's your room. Like, well, they don't, it's not because, well, if I clean my room, what are you going to give me? You already in a house. You could be outside. I got a tent in the shed. This, this whole arrangement can change. And that's what we forget. Like we're, we're figuring, trying to negotiate our obedience. We're like, well, if I do this, what will I receive? If I give my tithe, am I going to get like a million dollars in my bank account? Like, aren't you already alive? Ain't I the one who allows you to go to work? And now the one who put those thoughts in your head that gave you the talent to do the thing you're doing in the first place? But why should I be there? We, are, we already like each other. 
It's, it's like we're married. That's not what I told you to do. Be obedient to me. That's how I know you love me. How do we know that? Because the word of God tells us that. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I'm sorry, let me back up. I got ahead of myself, way in my message. Back is hurting on some pain meds. Deal with me. Okay, I'm going to back it up. We'll come back to that. Here's the reality of life. Is that you can do the right thing and still have misfortune. You can do the right thing and still have misfortune. The Bible tells us it rains on the just and unjust alike. But here's the thing what God also tells us is that for those who love God, all things will work out. Romans chapter 8 verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And here are the actions that determine that we love God. John 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and show myself to them. We don't do the right thing so we can reap something from it. We do it because we love God and we're obedient to his word. About to break some hearts right now. The Christian life is not an easy life. The Christian life is not an easy life. Does anybody not know that? Because I know, I know there's a lot of things out there where say like you get saved and everything is awesome the next day. All your friends are going to turn over and they're going to be Christians right along with you. Your family's going to come beside you. They're going to help grow you and mature you. Your bosses are going to give you favor. Every door is going to be open for you. I know there's a lot of teachers like that. That's not true. All of a sudden you start looking at your life and things start to seemingly fall apart. It's like you start getting attacked out of nowhere. I'm talking about spiritual attacks now, where you're starting to have problems like you never had before. And this is where we start to really question, should we do this? Like this, this can't be the Christian thing that I've heard about. This is exactly what you need to go through, though. This is how you mature. This is how you develop. This is how you refine. This is how those impurities become, begin to filter out. It's through the testing of our faith. It's through the problems that arise in our lives that we learn to draw near to God. We have to be mindful that we're in a spiritual battle. And we can't afford to take off our armor. Not one day can you afford to take off your armor. This ain't a drive down PCH with the top down, sorry. This is war. And the enemy wants to claim you back. The victory was already won on the cross, that's done, but our souls are still at stake. There's still other people who are still at stake. And the enemy is constantly trying to claw it. God's going to get the victory no matter what. Our job is to ensure we can take as many people with us as possible. I, I want you guys to take a listen to these verses. I, I don't, these are some deep verses and these hit hard. But I want you to hear them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6. You followed our way of life. And the life of the Lord. You suffered from others because of listening to us. But you had the joy that came from the Holy Spirit. This is Paul writing. And what he's telling them is that 
your suffering comes from your obedience. That others are coming after you because you are obedient. This is something that goes on where families begin to have conflicts and have struggles. And what we'll start to do is compromise our walk with God to satisfy our family. Listen, you're going to have to be bold even in the face of your family. You're going to be like tried at work especially. Young people, they're going to try you at school. Why? Because everybody thinks they're a genius now because they can Google something. So they're going to like, look at this video, look at this video, huh? Tell me about, they're going to try you at school. You have to be solidified in your faith. You have to get your roots out and know that you know. You don't have to know the Bible back and forth right now. That comes in time. As you grow, you gain understanding and you gain more knowledge. But having that confidence and being secure in your faith is important regardless if you can convince them. That's not the purpose. The purpose is you being sure you know who you are in Christ because you will be tried. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. We don't cause people to stumble by our actions. That's why we live with grace, mercy, and compassion and love. Because we don't cause people to stumble. No one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. That's heavy. That's heavy because Paul's talking about real persecution. Real persecution. In other words, what really approves us as ministers of God is our willingness to suffer and still go on for God. Is that while we're going through a hard time, we're not publishing it all across social media. I'm not saying you can't hurt. You will go through hurts. But there's a way to process hurt. Venting on your social media page and not proclaiming the power of God over it and knowing that he's going to get you through it is not the proper way to handle hurt. All you're doing is complaining. See, I can put out what I'm going through, but I'm also going to profess the power of my God working over it and in it and through it. Like, I'm here right now, but I know God is navigating me through it. If you could come alongside me in prayer, I would appreciate that. Is there a brother or sister I can talk to right now? This is what I'm going through. That's how you communicate with the problem that you're going through, because you're actually seeking to get help through it. If you're just posting your problem out there, all you want is some attention. People feel bad for me. There's a way to go through it. And he says it right here. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. Throughout every problem and struggle that we go through, this is knowledge where you may not have known prior to, but you know it now. 
So this is where you take the knowledge given to you, and now we apply it to our lives. Because I know I've been in through many problems in my life, and I didn't know how to deal with it, where I lashed out, I responded in anger, I responded with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, whatever would numb that pain and problem that I was going through. I would try my best to avoid it and get out of it and navigate my life in a different direction off the path that God has me. Because the one that I was on was too much for me to bear. Until I began to surrender to him. And then I allowed him to pour the Holy Spirit into me and began to transition my life. Then I began to see that the problems that occurred in my life, even the ones I did not cause, were for my betterment, not for my destruction. See, Joseph was there in prison, and as a result of that, Joseph still maintained being the same Joseph. Being a person guided by the hand of God. And as a result of that, because he happened to be right there at the right place at the right time, he was raised up and eventually to become second in command of all of Egypt. So he had to go through those problems to get to his purpose. Now, I'm not telling anybody here, go create some problems for yourself. That's what I'm telling you. I'm saying that I'm changing my perception of the problems that come my way. I'm changing how I view these things. Because if I can deal with my family who's ridiculing me and condemning me and shouting all these things at me, if I can handle them, I can handle anybody. If I can still love on them, I can love on anybody. God protected Joseph with a problem. Very often... Problems are preparations for purpose. Let me say that again. Very often, problems are preparations for purpose. Here's what Joseph had to say at the end of his life. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He was talking to his brothers. He said, you meant it to harm me, but God meant it for good. See, there are some people in your life or that may enter your life later on who will try to harm you. They will try to bring problems into your life and have Ill, Ill, Ill intentions. But God can use those problems for good in your life. We don't run from our problems. We see God's will through the problem. So here are the four now. God uses problems to correct us, to inspect us, to direct us and protect us. Here's the fifth one. God will use problems to perfect us. That's a beautiful thing right there. That God will use a problem to perfect us. The most important lessons that I've learned in my life did not come during the best moments in my life. The best, the, the greatest lessons, the greatest teachers didn't come when everything was awesome. They didn't come during tax season when I got a big refund. Booyah. That's not when I learned the lesson. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't come at my high points of getting promoted and all those things. The, the best lessons came during my hardest moments where I had to dig deep and learn, where I had to draw near to God. Because here's the reality is we tend to pray less when everything is going right. We tend to worship less when you know, the finances that are intact when it's all lovey-dovey in the household. Then we start like, hey, we can go on vacation right now. Hey, we can, you know, take some time off right now. 
hey, we can buy this, we can buy that. We tend not to draw near to God when everything is going A-OK. It's in the pain where we draw near to God. It's when all hell's breaking loose that we find ourselves on our knees. And if we can find a way to while we're in the good times, still draw near to God, still worship God, still praise God, it will prevent us from having to go through so many hard times. Because a lot of hard times is because of our lack of connection to God. This is not talking about the problems that come our way by other people bringing. I'm talking about problems that we create. There's a saying that goes, good times make soft men. Soft men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. And strong men make good times. The way that we break this cycle is learning how to take care of problems that are existing in the good times. Because even though things are going well, there's still things we can do to better ourselves, right? There's always something we can do to get better, to grow some more. And there is a time, don't get me wrong, to rest. But it's in the good times that we're looking, okay, how can I grow even more? How can I deposit into somebody? How can I build somebody else? I'm not just going to sit back because things are going well now. It's like this. Here, I'll use a, per a, per a perfect example. It's like having an empty sink with no dishes and you eat something. You could just wash the dish right there and then put it away. But no, what do we do? Wait till the whole thing is full and food is everywhere and it's a mountain. And we're like, oh my God, why is there always so many dishes? Well, if you would have washed that bowl after you ate that cereal, you wouldn't have this problem. Right? We wait till the whole house is dirty rather than picking up the one sock that's on the floor. We will walk past one sock for a week. And they'd be like, oh, man, look at how dirty this house got. And it's like that in our own lives. See, we don't deal with the problem when it's a thought and a temptation in the mind. We wait till it's already manifested into action and the consequences have began to pour out. And now we're suffering and we're enduring pain that we could have dealt with when it was just a little bitty problem. But we're so focused on everything going well, we didn't take time to deal with this thing issue right here. You could have dealt with it when you guys were already like, hey, pastor, me and my wife are having like some slight communication issues. It's not big. But, you know, I think it's something we can iron out. Let's deal with it now before it's adultery. Like, you know, um, I'm having some doubts about my walk and these things. It's just some thoughts entering my mind. Let's deal with it now before you leave the church. Because the thing is, we'll, we'll look at it. Everything's going good and everything's going well. But God's trying, even in the good times, still trying to perfect us. But it's on us not to get complacent and then be able to analyze our lives and then bring it to those who can guide us and help us and navigate us. Because hard times are going to come. You cannot avoid them. Hard times will come. And we have to be able to break the cycle of running from problems. Here's the truth about living in America, especially in this time period. We live in relatively good times. We live in relative, even the pandemic and everything and all the stuff you see on the news, we live in really, really good times. We're not back in the 1800s where you got to, you know, go knock down your own wheat to make bread and all that stuff. 
Nobody like here got to go take care of a ranch by themselves and be, you know, a slave to anybody, right? Let's go there. You, we don't live in those times. We live in free times. And not only that, our faith is protected by freedom given to us by the Constitution. So we don't have to face the same persecution that went on in these times and that some people have to succumb to right now. But it's not to say we will always have those freedoms. But nonetheless, when those hard times come, when the persecution does come, we have to be able to uphold who we are and stand on our faith no matter what. See, I'm not worried about who's going to become president because I know who I am in God. And I know who sits on the throne. So whatever government changes, aliens can show up. I'm still going to honor God. I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about am I doing everything in my power to be the best that I can be given the potential God has given me. I'm worried about the people am I close to. Have I invested my time right with them? I'm worried about am I depositing into my kids properly? I'm worried about am I serving the people of Restoration Life to the best of my ability or am I shortchanging them? And that's where I analyze the problems that I may still have going on. Because even at the stage that I'm in, I'm not perfect. God's still perfecting me. And he'll present problems to me so I can continue to grow and mature. And he's doing that with each and every one of your lives right now. When the persecution comes, if it is to be within our our lifetime, we must be ready for it. We got to be willing to deal with the problems and not try to pass them off to the next generation. God's purpose for problems in your life are not to make you angry, depressed, confused, feel abandoned, or anything like that. God's number one purpose is to change our character to be more like His Son. He wants us to be Christ like. And how does God do that? He does it one of two ways. Let me get ready to close if I got the worship team come up. Here's how God does it. God makes us like Christ through the study and application of his word. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. God's truth changes the way we think. And transforms us and renews our mind. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. So if our minds are filled with the word of God, it will manifest in our actions towards every situation. And we are being perfected by our response to each problem that arises as we exercise our faith according to the word of God. God changes us. Through circumstances, through problems, through trials, difficulties, situations, and heartbreaks. James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, 
who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. One of my favorite quotes from John F. Kennedy says, don't pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. We should pray to be stronger people. That the circumstances that we're in, no matter how hard that they get, that we look at them and say, God, what are you trying to do in this? At this stage in my life, I can now look back at everything that I've been through thus far and see that God was preparing me the whole entire time for this very moment. From watching my mom go through breast cancer, dealing with her passing, dealing with family members who struggle with alcohol and drug addiction, dealing with abuse, physical, sexual abuse, dealing with my own addictions to pornography and drugs and issues I had with relationships and dealing with my father's death, going to war and everything, that God took it all and used it for the good so that he can get the glory. That I stand here, or sit here, rather, <laughs> a person transformed and renewed by leaders who invested into me, teaching me the word of God, teaching me how to read and understand it, showing me how to apply it, then putting it into action for myself. God matured me and grew me, and slowly I became a leader, Now I began to deposit into others. And even still, as I began to deposit into others, now i got to deal with their problems. But because of the problems that I went through, the hardships I went through, I know how to help navigate them now. Because I tread through those waters. And now I watch them grow and become leaders themselves. And now they're depositing it to other people and reaching more people, people that I couldn't reach, but God had to take them through their problems so that way they can reach other people. You see, it's all about the journey that we're on and that we go through it together. And that as we go along the journey and I learn a lesson in life that now I can teach you like, hey, you might not want to hop the fence that way. Yeah, you got to hop the fence, but you don't want to rip your pants while you're doing it. So put this mat over the fence first, then get over it. We're helping each other all the way through the struggles. But all the way, we're always seeking God, the wisdom from God. He says, come to me and I'll give you what you need for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed here today, some of you, you've been going through problems, what it seems like for your whole entire lives. Problems that you did not create yourselves. Problems that you inherited. Problems that just came your way. You were born somewhere at a certain time and that's just how the life, the hand that life dealt you. Some of them, you're like, it feels so tough. And it feels like I, I can barely stay afloat. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the water and I'm drowning and I'm trying to keep my head above water and I'm kicking. But I feel like I'm sinking. I'm saying to you right now, it's time for you to stretch out your hand and reach out. The Bible says this in Psalms 34, verse 17 and 18. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And save those who are crushed in spirit.